Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together. Lord, we thank you for all those that are gathering online with us and those that are gathering in-house. I pray for them. I ask you to give them eyes to see, ears to hear. Give us hearts to receive what you want to say to us as individuals today and as a corporate body. Holy Spirit, I ask you to give me wisdom and direction as I share your word. Lord, help me to uh, deliver this message exactly as you put it in my heart. Thank you for the scriptures and the stories and the illustrations that they would help impact those that are watching today or listening today. Lord, we choose today to be word first people. We choose today to put your word first above anything and everything else. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen, amen. Welcome again. Hey, if you missed last week, last week was Vision Sunday. It was our Super Bowl of Sundays. And last week, we talked about our mandate for the year, which is super simple. This year, the mandate is stay the course, full speed ahead. Can you say that with me? Stay the course. Full speed ahead. And we talked last week about what this means, but if you weren't here or, or maybe you were half asleep, I want to I just recap this just for a moment so we're all on the same page. To stay the course, it means we're focused. Turn to your neighbor and say, get focused. Yeah. It means we're focused. It means that we're maintaining a constant, unaltering course. You can say it this way. We know where we're going. Yeah. And we are pursuing our vision regardless of any obstacle or criticism. Yeah. That's what it means to stay the course for this year. And full speed ahead, it means we're doing this. Everybody say, we're doing this. Yeah. Oh, now say it like you mean it. Say, we're doing this yeah. with as much speed or energy as possible. It means we're going to use great enthusiasm in our efforts. I like that word enthusiasm because I think enthusiasm defines us as a church. I've been to a lot of churches there. There wasn't much enthusiasm at all. From the teaching to the people that check your kids in, they're like, oh my God, more kids. Uh. You know, the number one thing that I hear about people coming to IFC for the very first time, and, and we meet lots of them, and it's, it's, it's the same thing. It's, man, there's something different about this place. Like, like you guys like being here. Like those singers, they're so enthusiastic when they sing. And, and the worship team, when they play, it's as, it's as if they want to worship God. Like, who knew? And we checked our kids in, and we checked our students in, and the, there was just like an energy or an enthusiasm. You know, that is how we're called to live as Christians. And thank God for you and the person next to you collectively, man, when we get enthusiastic, it gets contagious. Yes. It gets exciting and it lets people know like, hey, something's going on in that place. Something's going on in that place. So, so what does it mean to go full steam ahead? I used that illustration last year about at the turn of the century, most of the vehicles were run by steam. Thank God for smart cars. Anybody got a smart car? Anybody got an electric car? Nobody want to tell if you got a Tesla. It's all right. We're not going to. Maybe we need some electric carports out front. Moe's got an electric car. You know, listen, that's great technology for us. But back in the day when you were going to get somewhere, you went by train. And there was a person whose job was simply to make sure that the boiler had fuel in it. Can you imagine that's your job? And you got a, a shovel and you say, hey, we need to go faster, Jim. All right, put some more coal in there. Or you're in the belly of the ship and the captain calls down and says, hey, full steam ahead. What did that mean? It meant to fill the boiler to capacity, to maximum pressure so we could efficiently, quickly get where we're going. 
That's the call on this house for this year. That's, right. that's the call on us as a church, and that's the call on you as an individualist. Get full so that you can put your spiritual boiler at max capacity. So when God says, pick up the speed, we got a place to go. We got an agenda and a time. Guess what? We're ready to move with him. Amen. It's full steam ahead. I was thinking about how will we, people asked me last week, how are we going to do this? Or how will we get there? We do it by doing this, staying full, full of the word. Everybody say the word. And then we're going to stay full of the spirit. And then we're going to stay full in our relationships. We love that word full. Like how many ladies love it when your husband fills your gas tank? Yeah, like you knew you were running on E when you were picking up the kids from school. And you knew the groceries in the bag. I could stop, but it's cold outside. And then the next day you're like, honey, I'm on E. Will you go fill up the car with gas? It's really cold outside. The ladies love that, right? Hey, guys, listen, the ladies love that, all right? This is a a little tip for you for free, like how to better your marriage right now. Fill up the lady's tank. Like, take care of her. She loves this. Look at that. He filled my tank. I didn't have to get out in the cold, smell like gas. We love that. What's worse is when you come out and it's what? On E. The worst noise in the car is when that little yellow light comes on, Ray, and it says, uh, low fuel. And then she reminds you, you know, eight miles till you're on the side of the road by yourself in the dark. (laughs) Three miles before you have to thumb it and call Uber to get home. We love a full tank. How about a full belly? Oh, man, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Y'all got to eat some stuff, right? I mean, we don't really care about who's playing. We're cooking chicken wings today, right? It's going to be nachos and dips and all kinds of stuff. This is one of those days you don't have to use silverware. You just get to dig in, and then you're like, I'll have some more of that over there. I was with Hunter on Friday, and he had a great week at school. And so I said, you want to go get a treat? And so we stopped at the little store by our house. He said, I want to do root beer floats. So we made these root beer floats, and, and he's over there, and I just kept, my wife wasn't home, so I just kept piling the ice cream in and pouring the root beer, and then he got to a place, I can't eat anymore. I said, come on, we got more ice cream to eat. He said, I can't, I'm full, daddy. And then he had this huge smile, and he went over and laid on the couch. You know, we love filling our bellies. How about this now that, that COVID's changing and the people are gathering together? We love the ability to gather with our families because what? It makes our hearts full. Yeah. I love seeing my friend JC home from Chad, Africa, one of our missionaries. Will you give it up for JC? Welcome home. It makes my heart full to know that he's home safe and sound with us. We love this idea of fullness. We love our bank accounts full. Y'all have direct deposit? Yeah. And in direct deposit, you look down at the app and it's like cha-ching. You're like, wow, man, that's a lot of money. And you go to bed, man, you're stoked. And then the next morning you get up and realize your wife paid the bills while you were sleeping. You're like, whoa, where did it all go? <laughs> we all love fullness in the truth is that's what God wants for us as spirit people, as believers, as children. Listen to this. The life of a believer was never meant to run on half empty. Refuse to settle for good when great is attainable. God's plan for us as his children is that we live full lives. Lives full of the word, lives full of the spirit, and lives full in great relationships. So many people live on this idea of I'm half full and it's okay. I'm a glass half empty kind of person. What do we call them? Pessimists. 
I'm a glass half full kind of guy. They call me an, an optimist. And I just got to be real with you. That's a great perspective. But God hasn't called us to live half empty lives or half full lives. He wants us to be full to the brim, overflowing so that those around us experience the goodness of God through us. I'll prove it to you right here. John 10, 10. This will be our key verse out of the living. It says the thief has a purpose. You know that? The enemy, he has a purpose, is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But, but my purpose, the life of Jesus, was to give you life in all of its fullness. Oh, I love this because this, 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 excuse me, this takes out the idea of what we're just supposed to mosey on through. I'm just a wanderer traveling on through. That's how a lot of people live this life. They, they take this Christianese thing like, I don't need a lot because I'm just going, I'm on my way to heaven. Listen, while you're here, why don't you live with everything that Jesus paid for? Why would you settle for anything? Like, well, it's okay, just a little bit of sickness in that bad. I can put up with it. How about this? A little bit of tension in the house, a little bit of poverty. I mean, we got more than everybody around us. That's not the great life that God's called us to leave. He's called us overcomers, the cream of the crop. We're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. We're supposed to be the lenders and not the borrowers. Oh, man, that's what it says in my book. And that reminds me of he wants me to have life in all of its fullness. Don't sell yourself short. Over the next three weeks, I want to talk about staying full and how do we keep our spiritual lives full, staying full of the word first, full of the spirit and full of our relationships. I was thinking, how do I best illustrate this? And I was reminded of a story that Stephen Covey told about a college professor. And he pulled out a jar and he said, this jar represents your life. Every one of us have room in our life for different things, but it's important that we monitor what goes in our life first so we don't fill it up with unimportant stuff. And he began to take the golf balls out of his bag and he began to put them in the jar and he say, these are the important things. These are the big stones. These are your relationship with God. This is your time in the word. This is your time in the spirit. This is your prayer time. This is your relationship with him. Those things should go in first. Because guess what? They fill it up pretty quickly, don't they? The professor asked the students, is the glass full? And they responded, yeah, it's full. He pulled out another jar and he said, no, it's not. He said, this is the the secondary things in our life. Listen to this. This is your your family. This is your relationships. This is your job. Your your job's important, right? This is your health. This is your well-being. This is... Secondary, they go into to the jar to, to fill in the gaps, but good thing you already put the important stuff in first. And he began to share with the students about the importance of filling our lives and how quickly they fill up. And he asked the students, is the jar full? And they said, oh, it's full. And he said, well, what about the last space in there? It's the, it's the little things. It's your, your hobbies. It's your entertainment. It's the things we buy, the places we go. They don't add up to a whole lot, but they do take up a lot of room. The movies we watch, the music we listen to. And he asked them, is it full now? And they said, yes, it's full. I love this illustration because it's so simple. If we reverse the order and I filled it with sand first, 
And then I put the small things in first. The truth is there wouldn't be room for the important things like your relationship with God. There wouldn't be room for the word. There wouldn't be room for relationships with other believers, growth in the Lord, time in the spirit. And the truth is, is many people live full lives and they say, man, I don't have any more time. And I don't have time to go to church. I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't, I don't have time to pray. It's because they put the sand in first. Yeah. It's because they put the less prioritized things in first. And then when it came down at the end of the day or the end of the month or the end of a year or the end of a decade or the end of a lifetime, and they look back with regret saying, I had it backwards. Right. I should have put the big stones in first. Matthew 6.33 says it this way. Seek ye the kingdom above all else. He's saying put the God things in, the important things, the kingdom business. Make sure they take priority in your life and then live righteously and he will give you everything else. You know, the truth is, is we're so worried about the rocks and the sand because those are needs that we have in our lives. And God wants you to know he wants to meet the desires of your heart. He gave them to you. Yeah, right. I like the golf balls in here. I love golf. Anybody else like golf? I like golf, but here's the thing. Golf can't be a priority in my life. It takes up too much time. There was a season in my life where golf was the priority. And three days a week, I was at the course for four and five hours. And then the off days, I was at the range. And man, I was hitting the ball pure. But when it came down to my priorities with God, I would excuse myself and say, I just don't have enough time to go to a small group. I don't have enough time to, to read the Bible and go through the Bible in the year. And the Lord reminded me, you got all the time in the world. Your priorities are just jacked up. Come on. Let me ask you, are your priorities jacked up today? Come on. Are we putting CrossFit before the word? Are we putting healthy lifestyle above the word? Are we putting going to the movies and buying things and entertaining ourselves? in accumulating possessions above the word of God, because the truth is the word goes first. That's right. Yeah. Right. Psalms 103 verse five. Love this one. It says, he fills my life with good things. Who's he? He is God. He fills my life with good things. And because of the result, my youth is renewed like eagles. Yeah. Romans 15, 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, would fill you just a little bit. Oh, oh, it's not, I, I pray that the, the source of hope will, will fill you up as much as you need. No, no, no. He says, fill you completely. Everybody say completely. completely. That he would fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. You made him a priority because he comes first. And then what? You'll overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, there's room for all the things that you want to do in your life as long as God fills your life first. You'll have the ability to take the vacations and spend time with your kids and do the things you want to do if you prioritize God's plan first. For the next few minutes, I want to talk about the importance of staying full of the word. The importance of opening the book and staying full of the word of God. I'm going to pull this scripture from last week because I think it's important. It's Joshua giving instruction to the children of Israel before they cross the Jordan, before they possess the land, before they go into the quote-unquote promised land. He says, make sure that you carry out the revelation that Moses commanded you. Every bit of it. Don't get off track either to the left or to the right. So as to make sure you get where you're going. And don't for a minute 
Not even for a minute. I love that. He's, he's being real intentional here. Not even for a minute. Let this book of the revelation, the word of God be out of your mind. Ponder it. Meditate on it day and night, making sure you practice everything written in it. Then you'll get where you're going, and then you will succeed. The truth is, is the word keeps us on track. We have to put the word in our minds and renew our mind with the word. That's what he's talking about with pondering the word. As believers, we have to renew our mind. Some of us just go to church and we hear it, but the truth is, is transformation takes over when you've renewed your natural mind to what the word says about your life Amen. and who you are. We have to, to renew our minds by pondering the word, and then we put the word in our mouth and we begin to confess it, and we begin to declare it in faith. We release what we found in here, and God starts moving on our behalf, and ultimately, we live our lives filled daily so that we can live out the word. Amen. This is, what this, this, this is what this should look like in our lives. We, we read the word on a daily basis and we renew our mind to who it says we are. And we find out about our identity and we find out about our authority, which causes us to speak differently, which then begins to change the circumstances and the situations around us. And then people begin to take notice and say, there's something different about you. Yes. You say, oh yeah, I'm a word person. What do you mean a word person? Well, I believe the Bible's true and I put it in my life every day and it's caused me to think differently, to speak differently. And you're just seeing the actions of my thinking and my speaking Guess what? I want some of that. Yeah. In a glass is half empty kind of world, we need some more full overflowing believers. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to go to work every day where everybody hates their job, but people do it every day. Yeah. So why not choose that as your mission field and say, Lord, there's a bunch of people that there may be half empty, quarter empty. Some of them are dried out, but send me today to fill them with your love, with your goodness, with your mercy, with your grace and your favor, because I put your word in my heart. Yeah. So three reasons to stay full of the word. We stay full of the word, number one, for direction. We stay full of the word, number two, for our authority and for strength. Let's talk about this. If you're going to go stay the course and go full speed ahead, all three are going to be required. You're going to need to know where you're going. You're going to have to have the authority to get there and the strength to persevere when things get tough. So let's talk about it. Number one, you guys still glad you came today? Yes. The word gives us direction and keeps us on track. It acts as a rudder in the ship of our lives. Psalm 119, 105 says, the word, your word, it's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It seems pretty dark in the world right now. Yeah. Turn on the news and just, just click it. I mean, we're going we're gonna to have this pandemic thing. We've got all this other stuff. We've got war with Russia going on. I mean, in one moment's time, you can turn on the news and get depressed really quick <laughs> because it seems like everything's so dark. All of a sudden, your phone's sending you notifications. Watch out for this. Watch out for that. Are you aware of this? And it's like, man, fear comes right to us through our cell phones. It's a dark place, but not for us. Amen. I said, not for us. Amen. Not for us as believers. We're, we're children of the light. The Bible says that, that as we put the word first, all of a sudden, it casts light on the dark situation. It will know where to go. That's right. It will know where to step. This is who we are. Listen, the word gives us direction. It acts as guardrails on our life. Right. 
The word acts as, as guardrails. You ever been driving down the interstate and you see those huge metal guardrails and you're like, I wonder what those are for? Those are to make sure you don't end up in the ditch. They're to make sure that you don't hurt yourself or hurt somebody else. That's what the word of God is. It's our protection, protection in our marriages. God's word should be the, the guardrails on your finances. God's word should be the, the guardrails on your health, through your abilities, through your family. I see so many people that derail their life because they get away from the word because something else looks awesome down in the ditch. Right. I've seen young ladies take their eyes off of what God had told them about the spouse that they were going to believe, and they ran into the curb and ended up on the side of the road because they settled for some dummy with no job who didn't know God. Come on. Oh, it's all right. The guys have been in the same place. You got this idea of who your spouse is, and you've got your, your sights set on a woman of God who's going to be, uh, you know, pursuing his plan for her life to come alongside of you and co-pilot with you, and all of a sudden you're somewhere, and you get side railed, and you end up with somebody that's different priorities. I see it happen in people's finances and their relationships. The Word of God sets guardrails on our life to help us to make sure we don't shipwreck it on the way to our destiny. That's right. Amen. I was thinking about this technology that's put in a lot of new cars. It's called driver assist. Man, what, how far have we gone Do we need a car that helps us drive? <laughs> I remember a few years ago, I kid you not, I was driving down the road. And I looked next to me, and the guy had a newspaper out driving. And he's looking over the steering wheel, driving down the interstate, and I'm thinking, you dummy, you're going to kill yourself and us. So guess what? Now they've come out with driver assist. And what does it do? It's got cameras on your car to make sure that you stay in your lane. And if you begin to veer off to the right just a little bit, the steering wheel jerks itself back and it's kind of a a jolt. Like, whoa, something's got a hold of the car. Well, it has got a hold of the car because you're looking somewhere else. Listen, that's what the word of God does in our life. When we fill ourselves with the word every day and we go to work and we go to play and we go with our neighbors and our friends and all of a sudden we begin to veer off. Because that's the way everybody else is going. The word adjusts us and says, hold on, stay the course. I want to encourage you. I don't like that driving thing on my car, to be honest with you. I'm not getting one of those cars. But I can tell you this, some of us need it. I don't like all the things that the word says about who I'm supposed to be because it goes against my natural way of thinking and living. But I'll tell you this, I need it. Yes. I need it so I don't wreck myself and wreck somebody else. The word is the guardrails on our life. Psalms 32, 8 says, I will instruct you. It's just God speaking to us. I will instruct you and guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch your progress. That's the kind of God I serve. He's watching over me. I like this. I will guide you, which means you may not know where you're going, but I've been there before. Did you know that God had a plan for your life before you were ever born? The Bible said he had a destiny set aside for you before you were even conceived in your mama's belly. So if he had a plan for your life back then and now you find yourself at 46 with three kids, the best thing to do is take my hands off the wheel and say, Lord, this was your plan. You direct me. I love this. He says, the best pathway. Does that mean that there's, there's one pathway? I think that means there's multiple pathways. And and the truth is, is with God as the 
leader in our lives and our lives submitted to his word, we're always going to have the best. That's right. We're always going to have the best. I said, we're always going to have the best. Listen, as a church, the word makes it easy for us to keep the direction that God gave us. I'm grateful for pastors that 40 years ago heard a word from God and said, this is the trajectory we're going to take as a church. I'm glad they didn't take an opinion. A poll. Hey, we were thinking about starting a church and we'll ask you a couple questions. If if we did this at our church, would you guys want to come? Oh, you would? Okay, we'll mark that down. Thank you for taking your time. Hey, what about you guys? We're thinking about starting a church and we're going to do this and that. Would that offend you? Oh, it would. Oh, okay. So what kind of church would you like? Listen, that's not how you plan a church. That's not how you start a marriage. That's not how you invest your money. That's not how we build our relationships. Not on public opinion or popular opinion, taking polls. I'm grateful for pastors that planted a church with a seed of faith and a dream that God said, hey, if you'll start here, I'll take you there. But to this day, the word guides us as a church. As your pastors, I want you to know, we're not taking public opinions. We want input, but the word is the first and foremost charter of our course. I like this. The word makes it easy to say no to things. This isn't in my notes, but I said this during the first service. The, 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 The guardrails of the word make it easy to say no. I have a hard time saying no, just to be honest with you. People say, we'd like to have dinner. Okay, what night? My wife said, you dummy, we have plans that night. (laughs) Well, I'd like to have lunch. And then Amy says, Pastor John, you know you have lunch with two different people today. I said, I just can't, I don't know how to say no. And there's a lot of people that live their life, they don't know how to say no to temptation. They don't know how to say no to relationships that are going to detour them. They don't know how to say no to anything that would deflect them. And so they end up driving around in circles their whole life wondering, why don't I ever land on something? They don't have the word as the guardrails. I've been there. There were seasons in my life where the word wasn't a priority. And I spent more time on the side of the road changing my tires than I did advancing where I was supposed to be. Number two, everybody say, keep moving. Number two, the word gives us authority. It gives us access. Matthew chapter 10 says, Jesus summoned the 12 disciples and he gave them power and authority. He gave them power and authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to cure all kinds of diseases and all kinds of weaknesses and infirmities. Jesus gave the disciples his word, which gives them power and authority. And for us as believers, we walk in that same power and authority because we find ourselves in Christ. I was a few years back, I was honored to be invited to speak at a big convention, a big Christian convention where thousands of people were going to come from all over the world. And and I was just so blown away to, to even be there and be a part of it. And I got to my hotel room and they had put this beautiful gift basket in my room with all kinds of food and snacks. And next to it was two badges, like two, two little cutout things on a lanyard. And I picked it up and it had my name on it. It said Josh Roberts. And then in big, bold letters, it said all access. Wow. I was like, dang, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. I wonder what that means. And later that afternoon, the lady called to say, hey, did you check in your room? Did you get your basket? I said, the food's great. Thank you so much. The room's awesome. She said, hey, Mr. Roberts, did you get your badges? You don't want to lose your badge. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, that badge is all access. I said, I know that's what it says. And she said, that means you can go anywhere in the convention center that you want to go. 
That sounds pretty cool. I mean, I'm just back with the teenagers in the little classroom in the back with a few people. She said, no, sir. She said, that, that badge will get you anywhere you want to go. She said, you can go to the green room for the main stage, and they're going to have all kinds of food in there. I was like, what kind of food? She said, there's going to be tons of food. And she said, all you need to do is when you come up to the room, just show them your badge and they'll let you in. I said, well, what if they don't know me? I mean, they don't know that I'm a speaker. She said, sir, as long as you don't lose your badge and you keep your badge, you can go anywhere you want to go. She said, in fact, when you come to the service tonight, there's no reason in coming in the main door with, the, with all the other people and sitting in the back. She said, we have a special seat for you. Go down the hallway, go past the security point, show them your badge, and they'll seat you on the front row. I thought, dang, I like this place. This is awesome. They got food. I got valet service and front row seats. And so that night, I was all pumped, like, put my badge on. As we get out of the car, I walk up to the building. I'm like, oh, yeah, all access. Here we go. It's going to be awesome. And I had this, like, this, this, this confidence about me. But I had invited a friend of mine who was traveling with me to come speak with me. And since they gave me two badges, I, I gave my buddy the badge. And I said, hey, it's all access. It means free food and VIP service and this and that. And he was like, oh, yeah, okay. And so when we came in the, in the hallway, I walked to the first corner where there was a bunch of big security dudes. And I said, excuse me, I'm, I'm trying to get back to where the food is. And he said, sir, that's off limits. I said, well, um, does this help? I, I, think, I think I'm supposed to. He said, oh, yes, sir, right this way. You have all access. Sorry about that. Let me walk you back there. And I was like, let's go. And I look back and my buddy is 15 feet behind me. He stopped when he locked eyes with the security guard because he realized he don't belong back there. I said, hey, hey, come on, you're, let's go. Let's go. We got food in here. Let's go. We got special seats. He said, no, 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 I, I'm not speaking. I don't feel like I belong there. I, you just go ahead. I'll, I'll just, I'll sit in the back. And I said, no, 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 listen, listen, listen. I gave you my badge. We have two badges. That means we can go wherever we want to go. Let's, let's go. And he tied Tim and Leah, okay, don't hurt me. You know, it's kind of like, I got a badge. <laughs> you know, that's how a lot of people live their Christian life. They live with, oh, I don't know. Uh, when there's so much access to be given to them, there's tables of God's goodness set up in back rooms. It only belongs to you when you access it through his word. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something. You need to dig in the word this week and find out what belongs to you. There's a table been set for you that has your name on it, a reserved seat. And all you got to do is pull up and say, hey, I belong here. Someone say, well, how'd you get there in life? How'd you get that stuff in life? How did you favor? How did you? People do that. They don't like it when you move above them. They want to pull you down. Pastor talks about the crabs in the bucket. They pull you just about you get out. They will pull you down. Listen, when you find access in the word about who you are, you'll shake those people off and say, I'm going on up. I don't care. You can stay in the bottom of the bucket if you want to. There's blessing. There's promotion. There's prosperity in Christ. How can you say that? I found it in the book. I found my authority. I found my all access badge in the book. Listen, this idea that religions taught us that, that God's in control is not true. The Bible says that Jesus gave them all power and authority to trample over any schemes or work of the enemy. You and I are overcomers through Jesus Christ. Well, I didn't find no devil. He did for you. He gave you all access. And how do you access it? Through his name and through his word. Listen to me. You are the captain of your ship. You have control. You've been empowered with the Holy Spirit over your own life, 
over your own spirit, over your own soul, and over your own body. Luke chapter 10. Thank you all for preaching with me. Listen carefully. He said, I've given you authority that you now possess. This isn't something you work towards when you become a believer, when you become a son or daughter of the Lord. Guess what? In that immediate moment, you have access to tread, access and authority to tread on serpents, scorpions. You have the ability to exercise authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing will in any way hurt you. The passion says it this way. I've imparted to you my authority. Well, who said you could do that? Um, He did. He did. And he says this, nothing will harm you as you walk in authority. When you get in the word, guess what? You you walk a little bit different. There's a little bit more of a spring in your step because you know I can't fail. Nobody can stop me. God's for me. I'm going to win today. Listen, that's how we should enter Monday. Everybody got a case of the moon days. We got to go back to work after Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, it's going to be tough. Listen, stand up straight knowing who you are in the word and say, I'm here to dominate today. I came here to make something happen today because I have been given by God the Father spiritual power and authority. Number three, as we close, the word, filling ourselves up with the word that gives us strength to endure anything. Matthew chapter 7, out of the message says, these words, the word, the word of God that I speak to you, it's not an incidental addition to your life. It's not a homeowner improvement to your standard of living. They're foundational words, words to build a life upon. And if if you work these words into your life, you're you're like the smart carpenter. If I want to be smart, built this house on the rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, the tornado hit, but nothing, by saying nothing, nothing nothing moved that house for it was fixed to the rock. But, everybody say but, but, here's the clause. If you just use my words in Bible studies and talk about it and you don't really work them into your life, you're like the stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach when the storm rolled in. And the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. As a kid on Sundays, I was a pastor's kid. We go to church and then we always go to grandma's house for dinner. And in grandma's house after dinner, everybody played cards. Anybody like to play cards? Yep. And, the, and the adults sat around the, the big kitchen table. She had this big eight foot, six foot table with the whole like eight people and they'd play pinochle or they'd play bridge or they'd play some other game. And the little kids, me, and my brothers and sisters and cousins, we all got sat in the other room with TV trays. Remember what TV trays were? It's for lazy people in the 80s who want to eat and watch football at the same time. It's part genius and part laziness at the same time. So you can sit in your recliner and you put this little tray there and it's on this little thing. And that's what they gave us to build card houses. You ever built a card house? And you take the cards and you kind of, you know, you got, I tried it in the first service, it didn't work. You kind of try and stack them together and you get them to balance just right. And you continue to build. That was pretty impressive, by the way. That's all. Uh. And we would, we would have competitions to see who could build the largest card house. And just about the time, you know, you're going to get like the second floor on or the third floor. And you're like, look at this, everybody. Your dumb brother would come up and be like, what are you talking about? I didn't see that. And the whole thing would fall down. You know, and, and we loved doing that. That was Sunday afternoons for us was card houses. But the, the, there was another game that we liked to play for anybody that was new at the house. Like if you weren't... 
at the house very often and you were the new person, we would come up to you and say, hey, you want to play cards with us? You want to play cards? And they'd say, yes, yes. We, we would love to play cards. We'd say, well, you want to play 52-card pickup? <laughs> and they would say, what's 52-card pickup? We'd go, ha, ha, pick up the cards. <laughs> That's only funny one time, by the way. <laughs> this is how a lot of people live their life. They're constantly playing 52-card pickup because they choose to build a life on something other than God's word. We are assured in this life storms are going to come. Pressure and test trials, temptations, people's opinions. There is going to be pressure on your life. At some point, it's important for us to build on the sure rock so that we're not constantly picking up our life over and over and over and over again. You know what's exhausting? It's trying to build a life on something that failed you before. Very true. Trying to continue after, after I've cleaned my mess up and then we go back to trusting those kind of people or those kind of habits or we involve ourselves with the relationships that drew us off course and ended us up in the ditch before. Let me challenge you in this. Man, let's make sure that as believers we're fixed to the rock. That the word is our foundation. If we can't find it in the word, I'm not putting any stock in it. The word of God is first and foremost. When you get filled with the word, you become stronger and more unmovable. I want to change gears just for a minute as we close. I've talked to you about the why you need to be filled. You need to be filled for direction. You need to be filled for authority and you need to be filled for strength. I want to make it super practical just for a couple minutes as we close. Here's eight ways to fill yourself with the word this week. Sometimes we leave and everything's super spiritual. It's like, how do I apply that? That was great preaching, Pastor Josh, but what do I do next? Here's, Here's a couple ways. Number one, set a time and a date to read the word. This is important. What's important gets scheduled. Amy is, is, is my sister. She, she helps me put the important things on the schedule first. Like, I want to play golf. So I'm like, Amy, book us tea time. Let's play golf. She said, that's not that important, Pastor Josh. You got these responsibilities. Everybody needs an Amy in their life. Set a time and a date. Mine right now is five days a week. I'm up at 530. I have three little kids. So if I wait till the end of the day, I'm too tired to read the word. If I try to do this here and there, it doesn't work for me. So I had to reset my schedule to to make it happen. I set a time and a date because reading the word is is important. Number two, you got to get a reading plan. The old flip and point isn't working anymore. I'm going to tell you, it ain't going to take you very far. We just roll out and end up in Leviticus talking about the law. And then we're not allowed to cut our hair and get tattoos, man. That'll mess you up right there. Listen, you need to get a reading plan so that you can chart a course in the word. Listen, number three, find a devotional. People say, I don't know where to start reading. Get a devotional. What are you going through in your life? What do you want to learn about? There's tons of devotionals out there that'll give you a starting point and some key scriptures to help you walk that out. They help you target your study time. Number four, read with others. Discuss the word with others. Do a Bible reading plan with others. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Maybe, maybe get in a small group. We have over 50 groups launching in three weeks. And guess what? They're all based on the word. I said, they're all based on the word. Every time you gather in a group, they're going to set you up. They're going to encourage you. They're going to share scripture with you. They're going to pray with you. And they're going to push you towards your next steps. Get in a place where you can read the word with others. Number five, we're just talking practicality. Mix up the translations. I grew up in a house where all we talked was King James. 
and it didn't really meet my education level. I'm just being transparent. Some of y'all laughing because you've been reading the King James, but it ain't sinking in. Listen, I, I like the place where they put the cookies on the bottom shelf. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's make it easy for people. Get you a Bible you can read. I was talking to a gentleman. He said, man, I, I didn't know what to read, so I got a children's Bible from, from, the, from the store. And, and man, I, it's amazing. I said, it's the word, bro. It's got pictures. I said, whatever you need, it doesn't matter as long as it's the word. Start where you are. Go simplify this thing. Number six, confess the word. So we're going to read it, we're going to recite it, but we're going to confess it, go old school, three by five cards. A little magic marker, right on one side, 1 Peter 2, 24. On the other side it says, by Jesus stripes I am healed. How about this one? You know, uh, uh, greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. 1 John 4, 4. Put those suckers in your pocket on your lunch break while everybody's taking their smoke break. And they're out hanging out, doing their stuff, talking smack. Hey, just I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feed my natural body my lunch. I'm going to quote the word. And I'm going to build myself. I'm going to fill myself up. Number seven, talking about practicality, pray the word. Find a verse in the scriptures that speaks to you that you need and say, Lord, I, 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 I don't understand this, but I'm praying and asking for this. Lord, you said that I could have wisdom. I need wisdom on dealing with these idiots on my job. <laughs> you said you would give me grace. I need it. Guess what? You just said a powerful prayer. Pray the word, find scriptures in the word and take him back to him. Number eight, trust the word. If you're going to read it, then then believe it. I like Pastor Jonathan. He's got a great definition for faith. And it's, I trust the word of God above what any other information source may reveal. That includes Facebook opinions. That includes Twitter. That includes whatever social media that you're drawn to that's trying to tell you how to think and how to believe and what you should do. Listen, filter all that back through the word and trust him. Let me have my phone for a second. I want to give you guys one more practical tool if it's okay. And I, I know I'm over time. I love this. It's the, the version Bible app. Oh, y'all heard about it. Well, maybe you don't, but I want to just take a moment. The version makes this idiot proof, Okay. Because some of you are going to go home and I don't even know where the Bible is. Grandma left a leather one upstairs somewhere. Listen, you can put it right here on your phone. You can download it. It's the version app. And listen, all through there, you got tons and tons of books right here. You don't even have to be able to say, hey, we're going to read in 1 Timothy. You don't have to flip and find out where 1 Timothy is in the New Testament. You can just scroll right here and be like, I'm a genius. Oh, look, there it is. There's 1 Timothy. Oh, and they're going to do 1 Timothy chapter 3. Click it right there. And there it is. Talking about leadership in the church. I love this because here's the thing. I don't have to have 50 different translations. I got them all right here. I'm walking in front of your screen here. Look at here. The message, amplified, the passion, contemporary English, modern. I mean, I got all kinds of them. Watch this. I love this part. The message Bible. You can click it. Leadership in the church. Chapter three. Oh, voila. If anyone wants to provide leadership in the church. I don't even have to read it anymore. It'll speak it to me. A leader must be well thought of. For some of us, life, cool and this is life-changing. And hospitable. Because we're so busy, I wouldn't have time to read the word. How about your commute? How about your time in front of the mirror doing your makeup? I hear my wife in there every morning. She's going through the one-year Bible. And I'm like, who's she talking to in there? Some guy's voice. I go in there, and she's listening to the Bible. Listen, this makes it so we have no excuses. 
It makes it so simple. Listen to this. I want to show you this. You can highlight your favorite verses. So when you go back, it'll pull them up there again. You can take those same verses and copy it. It'll put a picture on it. And you can post it on your Instagram for your non-saved friends. <laughs> Love this one. Look here. Plans. There's hundreds, of thousands, hundreds, if not thousands of Bible plans. You say, I don't know where to start. Here's one we're going to start tomorrow. We're going to read this together as a church. And if you're following us on social media, you'll see it because I'm going to post about it. If you're not, you're going to miss out. So go follow us on Instagram and Facebook. But we're going to start this Bible reading plan called Building Your Life on the Word. They're going to do it together. Everybody say together is better. And listen, it's so simple. You just click day one. You're going to open the devotional. It takes you six, seven minutes to read through it. And it's going to give you the scriptures at the end of the day. You're going to, it's going to say, did you complete it? And after five days, they're going to give you a little high five and say, you earned a badge. Everybody likes badges, right? You're going to win an award. And we're going to give everybody an award for just finishing the, the five-day Bible plan. Listen, let's take this thing down so simple. Will you commit for the next five days to read the Bible with us? I can tell you this. If you'll commit to read the Bible the next five days, your tank spiritually will be filled. You say, well, I'm running on empty, Pastor. Listen, download the Bible app and find you a plan. Right now, I'm reading through four different plans at the same time. Not, not to be impressive. I just need a lot of word right now. I'm reading a plan on called Leading Through Change, and it's all about leadership through change. It's helping me. Maybe you've got some business questions about how does my business play into the gospel. There's a plan for that. I need help in my marriage. There's a plan for that. I got crazy teenagers. There's a plan for that. Listen. Make the Bible, the word, your source. Let's fill our tanks so we can stay our course. Full speed ahead. Father, I thank you for this amazing congregation that you're calling up higher. Lord, we say yes to staying the course. We say yes to picking up the pace. You can count on us. Lord, give us the strength. Holy Spirit, give us the power to, to dive in your word this week and to fill our tanks. Your head's bowed and your eyes closed and maybe you're watching online. I would be remiss if I didn't give you the opportunity to meet Jesus for yourself. You need to meet the author of the book. The Bible says that all who call upon the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what? Ourselves. Eternity with him. The Bible says if you call out to him, he's going to show up in a moment. So simple. If you're here today, say, man, I've never met that Jesus. I, I need that hope you're talking about. I need that authority. I need that confidence. Listen, I just need direction right now. I feel lost. Jesus is the answer. If you're here today and you say, pray for me, I promise you this. I won't embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come down front. I'm not going to send you to some crazy room. I would just ask that with your hand raised up, you acknowledge, hey, that's me. Pray for me, pastor. All across this room, if you need Jesus, put your hand up right now. I want to pray for you. Yes, ma'am, I see you. Anybody else say, man, pray for me. I need Jesus in my life. I need that direction. I need that hope. I see you, yes. Yes, I see you over here. Yes, ma'am. I see you. Oh, man, what an amazing day. Anybody else say, I want to join them? Yes, sir, I got you. I got you. I see you. Yes, ma'am. Maybe you're here. Yes, ma'am. 
Maybe you're here and you say, hey, I know the Lord, but I'm not, I'm not walking with him. I'm not full. My tank's empty. Today I want to recommit my life. I want to I let, let him know I'm back in the game. You can count on me if that's you. You say, man, I'm going to press in deeper. I'm going to fill my tank this week. Would you raise your hand all across this room? Yes, ma'am, I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Lots of hands going up. A fresh dedication. Yes, I see you. Online, let us know right there in the chat box. Hey, that's me. Count me in. I'm praying that prayer today. Can we say this together? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, today I choose you. I I put my past behind me. I'm going on with your plan for my life. Forgive me for the things I've said, for the things I've done that would be against you and your word. Lord, today I choose to make your word first. I choose to serve you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much.